do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and I am thrilled that you've joined us today. We are in for a special treat, and that is the author of the book, The Soulful Leader. And The Soulful Leader is all about success with authenticity, integrity, and empathy. So we're going to unpackage that a little bit today, or a lot today, and learn what Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley has to say about this particular area of leadership. Now, this gentleman comes with a wide array of educational, academic, and professional background. So if you want to learn more than the the short little bit that I'm going to talk about today, go ahead and look at his bio on the show description. And Dr. Ciara McCauley has been treating his clients for more than 35 years, and he's a licensed clinical psychologist. Now, he's a member of the American Psychological Association, as well as the Massachusetts Psychological Association. He's a contributor to the Creative Living Foundation, among many, many other associations. He's been a lecturer at Harvard Health Services, Boston College Counseling, a list of other groups and associations that have him speak frequently. And he's appeared on CNN and Fox News and several other outlets where listeners can learn more about his work. He's the author of several books, and we're going to be talking about his latest book today, The Soulful Leader. Now, he lives in a suburb of Boston with his wife of 37 years. We'll get into his website a little bit. Now, it sounds a little exhausting with all of his accomplishments, but he also enjoys some work-life balance. He enjoys cycling and spinning along with other sports and spending time with his wife and children, his daughters, his son-in-laws, and beautiful grandchildren. And I want to welcome Dr. Ciara McCauley to the show today. Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Kathy. I'm, 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 I'm excited to be here, and thank you for that, the long introduction. It makes me feel a little bit old when I hear all of what's happened in my life. <laughs> well, you certainly are a high achiever and have accomplished a lot. But what I really picked out when I was reading your book is the heart that you put in and the mentorship that you have with your clients. And so let's kind of dive into it. And, and I'll get into some of the groups that you lead a little bit later uh, that really lets your heart shine. Um, in terms of the title of your book, what are the characteristics of the soulful leader? And if you'll expand on those, let's, let's hear about that. Well, you know, a soulful leader, Kathy, lives with purpose and expresses a desire to be of service. And he or she is not primarily motivated by status or image, but has a natural interest in making the most of all the people they encounter. Soulful people lead with passion and that they're, and they're intimately aware of the structure of their organizations. They are interested in motivating what I call from the bottom up, not from the top down. They don't just associate with the people that are at the highest level in their company. They are willing and, and want to talk to everyone in their company. They know who cleans the floors. They know who does the landscaping. They know who plows the snow. They know who fixes the computers. They, they know the people that, that work for them. They have a curiosity about them and an interest in them. They also are good at leading balanced lives. They have what I call a dimmer switch. They know how to turn the dial down when they're not working, so they can be very intense and passionate about what they're trying to do, but they also can be very calm and relaxed when they're off duty. They're not always on. They can turn the light down so that they have the resilience and, and energy to return to work when they need to. 
Mm, I love that. I like I like that concept of hearing the dimmer switch. I've not heard that before, and that's certainly mm-hmm. something that I'm working on in adjusting that dimmer switch. Um, I know when I was diving into your book, you shared a few of your personal stories, and and those were lovely. And one of my favorite stories is the one where your parents first visited your office, and a little bit of mentoring that your father did in terms of the custodial worker down the hall. Would you mind sharing that with the listeners today? Oh, oh sure. That's one of my favorite uh, stories, Kathy. I, I had just become the chief psychologist in a hospital, and I w- was very excited about it, you know. And I, my, I invited my parents to come and see me on a Friday evening when everyone had left, and I was on a floor where there, there were just uh, doctor's offices. And when my parents got off the elevator, I was at the end of this long hall. And there was a man at the beginning of the hall when they got off the elevator who was cleaning the floors. And they walked by him, and I saw my dad stop and talk to him for a while, and I was kind of anxious, like, what's he doing down there? Why doesn't he come down and see my, the plaque in front of my office, you know, Dr. Sierra McCauley, chief psychologist, blah, blah, blah. And so he came down, and he said, congratulations, and uh, boy, this is wonderful. And he said, uh, do you know the man at the end of the hall? I said, No. And he said, well, do you know if he's married, if he has children, or where he comes from? I said, no. He said, well, go down there and ask him. Go down there and talk to him. And I said, right now? And he said, yeah, right now. Before we go in your office, go down and make sure you find out something about his life and introduce yourself to him. And I did. And um, I I realized that my father was teaching me a lesson of humility, which Mm -hmm. is don't get too carried away with yourself because you have this fancy title but get to know the people who are supporting you, supporting your business model. So I went down and I talked to this fellow, Rodrigo, and we became friends. And over the 13 years that he worked there, and I was there for 25 years, on a Friday night, we would, one of us would bring the other a coffee, and we mm. would sit in my office and talk, and he would tell me about coming from Brazil and bringing his family here and how grateful he was to be in America, and he was a very, very uh, family-oriented man and, and just a very good man, very spiritual. So my father taught me that you can learn from anybody if your eyes are open and your heart is open. Mm. Boy, that is a great lesson. And that lesson just never gets old. It never gets stale. And uh, pretty amazing. Some of the things that we, you know, when we think we're all that in a bag of chips, some of those humbling moments that our parents will invite us into. So thanks yeah. for being vulnerable enough to share that in your book and also with our listeners today. Um, it kind of reflect. I reflect a little bit with that. I thought um, a few years back, Clemmer and Associates for Leadership Training, we we were providing training in Phoenix with a behavioral health company, and it was quite an honor to provide leadership training to this company. And it was the first time we were doing a particular exercise with a very, very long rope. And it was about 150 students in the room. And I thought the rope only needed to be a couple of feet long per student. Well, it needed to be at least three feet long per student. And Mm -hmm. it became clear to me as we were handing out the rope in the students' hands that we were going to be short of rope, short of rope. And I didn't panic. I told the facilitator, hold on, I'll be right back. Just slow your process down of handing out the rope. I ran back to the kitchen that was adjacent to the ballroom. Now, we had been there all week, and I knew everybody's name in the kitchen, from Maria, the head cook, to Elizabeth, the executive uh, event planner. I knew everybody in that kitchen over the course of the week, and we had had conversations. And my parents raised me similar to, to you, get to know everybody because there's something to learn from everybody. When I explained to them that I need some sort of rope, They literally left everything they were doing and assisted me like true compassionate samurai. And we came up with a regimen of a belt, some telephone cable. It didn't have to be necessarily a rope. But the students never knew anything differently because all of those students were blindfolded. So there was never a hiccup on the student side. And later, the facilitator mentioned to me, you know, Kathy, 
I don't think you would have gotten that all hands on deck support from the crew in the kitchen if you had not gotten to know them during the week first. It really makes a difference. And it's authentic. It's easy. So let's talk about authenticity. Why is it so important to be authentic in business? Probably now more than any other time in our country's history, I think we're challenged by authentic business leaders. But what is that special sauce of authenticity and, and the importance of it today? Well, you just gave an example, Kathy, of why it's so important because of your authenticity and of your making connections with the people there in your surroundings. They were wanting and willing to help you. If you would talk to them in a demeaning way or you never even asked them a question or said good morning, they wouldn't be apt to help you. You know, Mm -hmm. authenticity attracts others and it creates a sense of connection and security, and it enhances a sense of trust to negotiate and work together. Pretense does the opposite. People know when you're pretending. People know when you're trying to project an image, and it doesn't make them feel comfortable. It actually makes people feel uncomfortable because sometimes even co-workers or, or employees feel that they have to do the same thing. So everyone's in, a, in an environment in a circle of pretense rather than just being authentic and valuing the people you interact with as you did. Because of your authenticity, they wanted to help because they believed that you probably cared for them. You cared to know who they were, what their names were. Imagine you went into that and you knew their names. That, that probably doesn't happen very often. Um, I don't think it does. And for some reason, I have that gift of remembering names and faces together for years. Um, I'm lucky that way. I perfect it. I really get to go with it. And the value of getting to know someone's name and a bit about their story, I have found allows me to build that authentic rapport so much faster. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have to work at it. It just happens um, because I'm genuinely interested in what's going on in their life. I really am. Um, Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So one of the things that popped in my, my mind, some people out there in the business world, let's say they come from a a shyer or more introverted quadrant of personality type. I'm very extrovert. Put me in a room with 800 people to network and I'm it's like Christmas time for me. I love it. But I also work with people on my team where if you say that to them, they're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't think of anything worse that I'd have to do with my day. Um, And What kind of coaching or or, um, encouragement would you give to someone who's just naturally shy, and how do they express their authenticity and connect with people? Well, you know, authenticity means being truthful, being truthful to your values and your beliefs, and not not trying to be a clone of anyone else, not trying to be a chameleon. So you don't have to be an outspoken person or an outgoing person to be authentic. Authentic basically means when you speak, you're speaking your truth. So Mm -hmm. there are people that are more reticent to speak up, but when they do speak, I remember once we were working in a group and and there was a a fellow who was fairly shy, but when he spoke, he he really gave wisdom and insight. And one of the women, one of the facilitators said to him, you're like a, you're, you're just like a, you have fire inside you and it comes out in slow dribs, but it's still a fire. It's still passion. So I don't think you have to be outgoing to be authentic. I think that, you, you can be authentic. You can even be charismatic if when you're speaking, you're speaking truthfully, honestly, and it attracts people. And people with integrity, if you have integrity, it's why I focus in the book on AIE leadership, authenticity, integrity, and empathy. If you have integrity and empathy combined with authenticity, even if you're not outgoing, you'll be respected and liked, and people will listen to you when you do talk. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all also have to remind, remind people who are a, a bit shy that there are some people who are outgoing and they talk too much. You know, they, they, <laughs> they, they, it takes them three paragraphs to say what another person could say in one sentence. Yes, yes, exactly. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Well, we are coming into our very first break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about performance addiction. So that's a new term for me, performance addiction. Let's unpackage that. Stay tuned for more. You've been listening to The Compassionate Samurai. 
Business Hour. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks. We have been listening to the author of The Soulful Leader, Dr. Sierra McCauley, has been sharing with us the aspects of success when you tie in together authenticity, integrity, and empathy. So now I'd like to drill down to a particular topic I had never heard of, but it made so much sense when I heard it defined. And that is something called performance addiction. Performance addiction. We can be addicted to comfort. We can be addicted to being right. So let's learn today about performance addiction. Doctor, could you define that term for us? Sure, Kathy. Performance addiction is the belief that perfecting appearance and achieving status will bring love and respect. It's an irrational belief system that begins in one's family and then it's reinforced by our culture. We, we, we come to believe that the only thing that's valuable is, is our appearance and the status we have, and that's, that's the way to gain love and respect. And, of course, it's mythical because it, 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 isn't, it isn't appearance and status that allows us to gain love and respect. It's, it's knowing how to connect with other human beings. And performance addictions addicts believe they can perfect their way into happiness. They are perfectionistic, and they're very punitive with themselves. They're very critical about with themselves, and they're always comparing and contrasting themselves to others. Unfortunately, they do the same thing with their spouses and their children, and they tend to create anxious children, and they tend to make their spouses feel very anxious because they're always thinking about how you look or appear in the social world and what's going to represent them well, what's going to get them feedback that, you know, my wife is a pretty woman or an intelligent woman or my husband's handsome or he's a CEO or CFO. But basically it is that belief that you have to perfect what you look like and you have to achieve status to become a a person that is admired in our culture. And, you know, the, the performance addiction quiz is at the end of this book. And so many people have taken that quiz. And the the average American working in the business world tests in the high range, in the high level of performance addiction, because it is really the culture that we're living in. We're not, we, we, we're not valuing character and integrity as much as we are performance, achievement, and status. Yeah, very much so. It's it's interesting. I remember I had a particularly low point in my life close to about 10 years ago, and um, 
I was in front of the room a lot and dealing with companies and CEOs and students. And I'll never forget a woman walked up to me at the end of the, the leadership training and said, oh, my gosh, I just so want your life. I want to be you. And it just froze me in my core because she had no idea what was going on in my life. And it wasn't pretty. It was a lot of struggle going on. Mm -hmm. And what I said to her is, you don't want to be me. You want to be the best version of you. Yes, yes. And she, you know, she was struggling to get there because I think in – that performance addiction, it's its that carrot that you never catch, right? It's that, that yeah. balloon that eludes yeah. you out in the wind. You're just never going to catch what it is you think you're, you're, you're chasing. You, you catch the rabbit. These individuals catch the rabbit, Kathy, and then they get depressed because it, all the work they're doing, the, the, the performance addiction addicts work hard and hard to get to that level. And when, when they're not working or succeeding, they think they have to work harder and harder, spend more hours in the office, less hours sleeping. They don't take care of their self-care. They don't have time to exercise. They don't have time to eat well. And what happens as a result is they're, they're producing the stress response in themselves all the time, and they do it in their employees too. And what happens when you're stressing other people or yourself? You release the stress hormone cortisol, which has very damaging effects on our bodies and our minds. I mean, in addition to causing negative thinking, cortisol causes weight gain, inflammation, hair loss, breaks down muscle tissue, causes flabbiness, depression, anxiety. It actually kills neurons in the memory center of the brain. And interestingly, it is one of the chief causes of weight gain because when cortisol is released into your system, it throws off blood sugar levels. It actually enlarges fat cells, which causes a craving for sugary, sweet substances. It's one of the key aspects of weight gain that is not talked about very much in weight programs. I think it's very important. But when you're a perfectionist, when you're a performance addict, you're living with cortisol in your system all the time, and you're actually causing the stress response in other people. And conversely, when you relate with empathy, you know, it's amazing because we know now from functional MRIs that when you give and receive empathy, you actually release the near-miracle neurotransmitter oxytocin, which is what women produce when they're pregnant. What does oxytocin do? It reduces anxiety. It reduces cortisol, helps us live longer. It promotes a sense of calm and well-being. It increases generosity and empathy. It protects against heart disease. It reduces inflammation. And actually, it reduces craving for addictive substances. Most importantly, it creates a bond and an increase in trust in other people. It decreases the fear and it makes people feel more secure. In our personal relationships, it makes us open for love. But in our professional relationships, it makes people trust us and want to negotiate with us. When people give and receive empathy and you produce that neurochemical, customers want to talk to you. They seek you out. They feel comfortable making a contract with you because this neurochemical produces trust and safety. It makes people feel secure in your presence. Mm-hmm. I oh my goodness I'm I'm off the cortisol list and let's get to the empathy list. I want all of the things that that empathy actually uh, takes care of for us. Um, in your book, you had mentioned a little exercise that you did, which was to engage and wave to complete strangers driving by on a sidewalk. Uh, mm-hmm. I might be elaborating a little bit. And I remember yesterday when I was driving back into my neighborhood, I'm waving at everybody and and I wave to the neighbors that I know but I realize I live in a cul-de-sac so I know all my neighbors we all have keys to each other's houses that's how well we know each other so it's easy to wave to those folks but I realize wow they're in my neighborhood I've never waved to them before so I wave and they wave back mm-hmm. and there was just I'm like okay did I notice anything in my body I'm like Oh, I'm setting up a little straighter. I'm feeling a little happier. I'm, you know, an inch or two off the ground. And then when I walk my dog in the evening, I always listen to Audible book. And so I tend not to engage too much with people on the sidewalk. Yes. Well, yes, yes. yesterday was different. I'm like, hey, how's your day? Have a great walk. It just was a different come from. And it felt real good. And it didn't cost me 
anything other than yeah. a little bit of verbiage and a smile on my face. And if you do that walking into a business, particularly if it's your business, or you do it walking into someone else's business, you smile, you say hello, you say good morning, you're, you're producing what we know is called helper's high. It releases feel-good chemicals. When you put a smile on someone else's face, and again, this is important for shy people, because you don't have to be outgoing to do this. All you have to do is say good morning with a warm look, and it changes how people feel. I, was in, I went in to consult to a small business a few weeks ago, Kathy, and when I went in, I opened the door, and I saw the receptionist behind one of these kind of, you know, where they have to slide the window to talk to you, and she was doing a crossword puzzle. And she looked up at me, and she looked back down, and she still was doing the crossword puzzle. And I'm standing there wondering if she's going to talk to me. And then she said, do you have an appointment? And said it like that. I said, Mm -hmm. yes, I do. I'm meeting with your president, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, okay, I'll ring him. And she rang him. I walked down the hall, and I passed three employees. None of them spoke to me. Mm. And, and I said, good morning. The person sort of walked by. I said, good morning to the second one. He kind of grunted. I said, good morning to the third one, and she nodded. And when I went in to meet with the president of this company, his personality was the same as the receptionist. Not quite mm. as bad, but it reverberated through the, through the business. And it started with the receptionist and continued with employees, and it continued with the leader of the business. It made me want to leave in about 10 minutes. Yeah. And all, yeah. all, they need, all they needed to do was exude a little bit of warmth. Yeah, just a little bit. Crack that door open just a little bit. I see that. I've noticed this more and more on flights. Um, I've been doing a lot of traveling, as, as I'm sure you've been doing a lot of traveling. And certain flights have certain personas. Some flights, as people get on the plane, um, it really kind of starts with the flight attendants. And the engagement there, hey, let me help you with your bag versus, you know, bags are going to be full, you know, get get a seat and shut up kind of thing. And the persona and personality of a flight, you can get to know your neighbors just within your area. And I'm pretty observant in terms of how many people sit down and don't engage with a stranger. You're sitting elbow to elbow. And oftentimes, you don't exchange one word with someone. And that baffles me because I don't need to talk their ear off, but I do want to engage enough to, you know, find out what's their story, what's their mission in life. And sometimes I find a whole lot more out um, than I ever bargained for, but I get to learn as well. So. I love doing that. Well, we are coming into our second break. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. When we come back, we're going to speak a little bit about the difference of empathy and sympathy. And just dive a little bit deeper in that. Stay tuned for more. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and we are with guest expert, Dr. Sarah McCauley. And we are having a blast learning all about the soulful leader. And for me, I love the way the soulful leader basically marries up, meets, marries up with the compassionate samurai. They are aligned. They are like twins. And I absolutely love that aspect. So I wanted to get in a little bit in terms of the difference between empathy and sympathy, because I think there's a fine line there, and let's make sure that our listeners understand the difference between the two. If you'd share a little bit on that. Sure, Kathy. So sympathy rushes in to console based on identifying with another person, assuming rather than knowing. Empathy is fact-based, truly understanding the unique experiences of another, not based on, on one's own history, but on the unique situation or experience of the other person. Let me give you an example. I have a client who moved here uh, from California not long ago, and she moved here with her family, and she was very grief-stricken and came to see me because her dad had passed away, and she was very, very close to her father. And in the neighborhood that she lives here in, here in Massachusetts, she heard that another woman's father had died just a few weeks ago. So when she heard that, she put together some flowers and she ordered some food and she brought it over to this other woman's home who she had met once at a gathering but didn't know very well. She rang the doorbell and when the woman answered, she said, oh my God, you must be devastated. My father died six months ago and, and I know what you must be going through. Oh, it's, it's just so awful, isn't it? And, and I, have these, I have these flowers and, and this food for you and I hope your family's going to be okay. And the woman looked at her and she said, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing, but you have to understand my father left us when, we, when, we were two years, when I was two years old and my brother was four. I've never even seen my father in my life. I, I know you right at this moment more than I know, know my own father. So I never knew my father. So unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not devastated as you were when you lost your dad. You see, my client rushed in, that's sympathy, rushing in and, and assuming that the other person feels exactly what you feel based on a similar experience. But the experience was quite different. Empathy slows down to obtain the actual facts of the situation. You maybe would have asked another neighbor, gee, was she close to her dad? Did she know her dad well? Um, and, then, and then probably she would have heard, oh, no, the father left the family when the kids were very little. They never even knew him. So that's sympathy, rushing in to console without the facts, without the unique, knowing the uniqueness of the other person's situation. Empathy is fact-oriented. It slows down a process, and empathic listeners and soul for leaders are surely empathic listeners. They listen very carefully to find out how this situation may be different than my situation. It's like someone gets divorced, and then someone else assumes that, uh, that they need a, a high-powered attorney. That happened in one of my groups not long ago. I added a woman who was going through a divorce, and another woman had gone through a very contentious divorce, and as soon as she heard that the woman... Uh, was going through a divorce, she said, oh, you need a real high-powered attorney. I, you, there's a lot of high-powered attorneys in Boston. I can give you their names. And she went on and on. And, and the woman was just looking at her. And this is in one of my communication and leadership groups. And one of the fellas was looking kind of frowning. And I said, Rob, why are you frowning? And he said, well, we're telling this woman who we've only known for 10 minutes to get a high-powered attorney, and we don't even know why she's getting a divorce. So I said to the woman, why don't you tell people why you're getting a divorce and, and is this advice helpful? And she said, well, you know, I thank you for recommending these lawyers, but the truth is my husband and I were married after my senior year in high school. I was pregnant with my daughter and we felt like we had to get married. My husband is a very, very good person. He's been a wonderful father, and, but we were never in love. We were just friends and we stayed together all this time as friends. We both want to have an experience where we can find out if we could really fall in love. 
And, mm-hmm. and we don't need a high-powered attorney. We're working out the agreement ourselves, and we're just going to meet with a, a, an arbitrator and get a little advice how to fill out the documents. It, it really, we, we're not angry with each other. We, we actually respect and like each other. You see, the woman who was, had, a, had a contentious divorce rushed in right away and assumed that this was the same experience. That's sympathy. The man who was frowning said, let's find out the facts. That was empathy. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the the encouragement to slow down the process enough to really gather the facts. Um, I'm blessed working for a CEO who does that on a daily basis. She's vulnerable, she's open, and she does listen with that very empathetic ear and that makes all the difference in the world so let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about love and love in the business environment and why does love seem to be so elusive for many corporate leaders statistically speaking it does seem like it's elusive is that what you're finding out there in the workforce Yes, absolutely, Kathy. I mean, many corporate leaders, they know how to achieve, but they've never developed the skills necessary to create and maintain intimacy. You know, to be close to others, we need to be open to being vulnerable, an emotional state that leaders often fear, for they view vulnerability as a sign of weakness rather as a way of getting close to another human being. Soulful leaders interestingly, are the same person at work as they are at home. When they make a mistake, they apologize, they feel regretful, and then they move on. They don't have a problem acknowledging an error or a mistake. And we see in our current environment, leaders in the corporate world, leaders in the political world, when they, when they make a mistake, rather than just saying, you know, what I said yesterday on camera, I really, I really apologize for that. I shouldn't have said that. I was inaccurate. We're talking about news not being accurate. Instead of acknowledging mistakes or vulnerabilities, even in their own personal relationships, they blame or defend or keep, keep creating another rationale for what they did. Rather than just being vulnerable, having humility, and acknowledging that I'm an imperfect person, but I'm trying very hard to connect with you. So... Corporate leaders, they, they fall into this category of performance addicts who tend to fall into image love. They, they get attracted to people based on their resume. And you know that loving another human being involves knowing who they truly are, knowing their character, knowing, knowing how, they, how they think, what they believe in, what their values are, seeing beyond the surface, not just picking someone because they're handsome or pretty or because they went to an Ivy League college. That doesn't mean they'd make a good partner. So image love falls apart very quickly. It doesn't sustain, or it can't be sustained in a relationship. I had an example from a couple also who moved here from California, and her husband was a CFO, and she was a receptionist, 28 years younger than him. He, he, he was divorced anyway. They married. They came to Massachusetts because he, his company, uh, he was laid off and his company was doing very poorly. He came here for a startup, and the startup laid him off because he didn't perform effectively enough in the first eight months. Long story short, they came into marital therapy. She called me and wanted to, wanted to start marital therapy. They came in and she said, in a very blunt way, she said, I'm just not really in love with George anymore. I come home and he's in his sweatpants on the computer looking for work and, and looking at all different websites. You know, I used to sit in, and sit in the back room of a meeting and he'd be there in his three-piece suit presenting in front of 2,000 people. He was so impressive. What is she really saying? She loved the image of his status. The poor guy is out of work and he's looking for work, but she can't tolerate the fact that he's not in a three-piece suit anymore and doesn't have a fancy title. Did she ever love him in the first place? No. That's what image love is. Mm. And... That's the result. And I know Brian Clemmer, our founder, would say results, often harsh but always fair. Yeah. Did she ever love him? And the answer is no. Wow. Well, let's talk about how is a soulful organization actually created? If we have a blank canvas, how do we either redirect and become a soulful organization, or how do we start that from the ground up? What are your suggestions there? A soulful organization 
is created by a leader who is empathic, a great listener, highly ethical with high integrity, authentic, humble yet confident, happy yet intensely serious when needed, which results in employees being committed to the organization's vision when the leader is present and when he or she is not present. When you establish those kind of morals and values, high integrity, authenticity, humility, people want to model you and, and be that way. You're modeling, you don't have to actually teach directly in a didactic way, they want to be that way. And in that kind of organization, people can't wait to come to work because they know they're going to be valued. They know we thought we were talking about empathic listening before, Kathy. When they're listened to that way, just like the person you're working for, you want to have an interaction with them because you know you're going to be responded to with respect. And, you know, many, many companies have mission statements. And sometimes when CEOs stand up and, and recite the mission statement to new employees, the CFOs do, people kind of look at it and don't value it very much because many companies don't really live up to their mission statements. Authentic organizations, soulful organizations do live up to their mission statements. They have a vision, and they want to in, invite other people to be part of that vision, this vision. and people will. You know, in soulful leaders, you know, you can't always be this way. Every, everybody isn't going to be perfect all the time. But as I said before, when they falter, they acknowledge it. They can be vulnerable and humble. And, and they, they are clear on their mistakes. And they learn from their mistakes so that people feel open to talk in their presence. People feel open to give their ideas and to express their strategies, knowing they won't be humiliated, knowing that they'll be respected regardless. So soulful leaders really integrate these kind of qualities in in, in the organization and in the individuals who work for them. Well, I can relate exactly to what you are saying. I've been on both sides of those fences on several times. I've been blessed with beautiful uh, mentors and bosses and who have that high level of empathy and integrity. And then I've been, let's just say, given a learning opportunity with a handful that, that didn't quite make the grade. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about that when we come back from our break and then um, talk a little bit about how to get your book and how to get to your website. So you've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for our last segment. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer and Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer and Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at Clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. 
Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. We're speaking with Dr. Sarah McCauley. And today, I tell you, this topic is so close to my heart, The Soulful Leader. If you have not purchased the book, heard about the book, head on out there, probably to Amazon, and go ahead and get The Soulful Leader. It is a fantastic book. And one of the ways that I know it's going to become one of my textbook best references is the amount of highlighting and note-taking that I did in this book is outstanding. It wasn't just to prepare for this. It's it's definitely something that I want to go to work on and study and make sure I'm stepping into that beingness of a soulful leader. Now, just before we went out on break, we were talking about the vulnerability of a leader and what happens when a leader is caught up in performance addiction. And there's a statistic that I want to talk about or or have the doctor actually talk about, and that is feeling safe on your team and raising the question of someone in the C-suite that they may not be appreciating that question as much. And so I had this experience years and years ago, probably 25, 30 years ago during an acquisition. And I raised a question about some sort of procedure with the acquisition and how it was going to affect the employees. And the response I got back from the president of the company is in front of all of my peers, Kathy, you need to just shut up, sit down and be thankful you have a job today. And wow, that is not the way I felt inside. I did not feel thankful. I felt no gratitude. I, wa- I chose to be humiliated. So what happens, because I did shut down. I shut down for a little while, and I lost a lot of respect for still an intelligent president, but not a leader, not a leader I could follow. Mm. What a horrible way of responding to you, Kathy. Mm-hmm. No one should be responded to that way. That, that was the actions of a soulless leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and you've got a statistic. I was I was just flabbergasted by that. When it happens out, how often does this happen in the workplace? Am I maybe the anomaly or the outlier? Well, n- no, actually, it's quite common. You know, Harvard Business School did a study that indicated that seventy percent of employees in the corporate world feel there are barriers to asking questions. That they were afraid to ask a question of a leader because they knew they would be responded to in a demeaning way. And you gave an example you know, earlier that if, if that's the way that you're going to be responded to, why would you ask a question of that person? And 70% of employees feel disengaged at work in the corporate world just because of that fact. If you can't interact with leaders in a reasonable way without being humiliated, why would you feel engaged? Of course you're going to feel disengaged. And then what happens? You release the stress hormone cortisol. And cortisol produces black and white repetitive thinking, obsessive thinking, and it destroys creative thinking. So now you have an organization that not only is being led by a soulful leader, but, by, but the organization is failing and profits are, are going down because people don't really want to work for you. They, they may be there because they have to be or they're afraid to make a change, but they're not engaged. If you can't have an interaction with leadership, a productive interaction with leadership, of course you're going to perform on a lower level, and lower level performance equals less profits. Well, and that was what was striking for me because I was the poster child of someone who did shut down. Now, this was years and years ago before I had any of the Clemmer leadership tools um, that are delivered so beautifully in the mastery classes that they offer. And so there are certain modules that would walk me out of that victim mindset and let me come from a place of responsible, not that I was Mm -hmm. at fault. But from a place of being responsible and having a way out of that situation instead of just shutting down and disengaging with the CEO. So um, I'm very grateful that those tools are in my my, uh, briefcase today. So let's talk a little bit about the brain chemistry because when we think about this, if we can get the healthy organization to practice, because everybody is a leader, the question is just where are you leading people? Um, what 
happens about giving to others that changes brain chemistry, and how does that impact organizations? Well, when you're when you're giving to others, you change brain chemistry in the sense that you're producing feel-good chemicals, just like an, uh, when a person goes for a jog and they produce endorphins and serotonin and, as, as I mentioned before, oxytocin. These are all brain chemicals that make you feel happy. What happens when you feel happy? Happy people are more creative. Creative people are more productive. Happy, creative people who are more productive increase profits. So you're changing your brain. We know this through research. The Helper's High research has been in existence for many years, that when you're actually helping someone else, you're producing happiness and joy, not only in yourself, but in other people. Soulful leaders love to tease out the potential of other people. You know, people often ask me, um, you, uh, you know, when you're working with clients, um, you, you, do you kind of point out what's wrong with them? Or sometimes when I see a new patient, they will say, uh, they'll think that I'm going to point out what's wrong with them. That's what a clinical psychologist does. My focus is entirely different. I'm not trying to indicate to people what's wrong with them. I'm trying to tease out what's always been right with them that they've never seen. You know, we write a story about ourselves early in life, and, and, I, and I call it a novel. You know, it's a fiction account of ourselves. We don't always have an accurate account of ourselves because we haven't always been given accurate feedback from significant people in our lives, we might have been given distorted feedback. So many people grow up thinking they're not smart or they're not attractive or they're not athletic or they can't sing or do this or that. And it's, ir- it's, it's irrational. It's, it's inaccurate behavior. It's inaccurate um, appraisal of oneself because you're looking into mirrors of other people who are not giving you, they, they don't have the capacity to give you accurate information about yourself. It's sort of like looking in a circus mirror. And today, as we're responsible as adults, I think we're responsible to get feedback from other people. And in a good, trusting environment, you can do that. You can get feedback from other people to see, rewrite the story. I always say we have to re-edit that early novel and make it a nonfiction book. And in an environment where, that, where people are listening and people are giving you accurate feedback, you, you tend to see things in yourself that you didn't know were there. Yeah, you sure do. And I, I just love that aspect, aspect of rewriting the story. So as we wrap up today's show, I want to make sure that folks know where they can find more information about your work and the groups that you lead. And they can do that at www.balanceyoursuccess.com. Balanceyoursuccess.com. Now, we barely dusted this subject just barely dusted it off the soulful leader so I highly encourage you to download the book on audible if you can or go out purchase this book it is one that you want to have as a desk reference and I know it's one that I'll be reading a few times to to get into a higher level of mastery with it you have been listening to the compassionate samurai business hour I thank you for your time today and as our founder Brian Clemens always said knock them alive thank you for tuning into our show you can hear the compassionate samurai business hour live every thursday at 4 p.m eastern time 1 p.m pacific time on the voice america business channel until next week's show be sure to take action and create your own success 